Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm your host, Zach, and with me as always is my co-host, John. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. Good afternoon, or should I say good night, maybe? Yes, we're doing a night pod for some very good reasons. <laughs> We weekly listeners will know that we just record randomly <laughs> whenever we get the chance. We have a set schedule that we like to follow, and then every single week life gets in the way of that. <laughs> um, but it's going well. My my week's been good. I'm still on spring break until Monday, so it's been nice having having work off. What about you? Yeah, that sounds nice. Um I I've been put to the test the last like three days and we're, we'll get into that. We'll get into why, but I, you don't, you don't want to start just start it off on the top of the hour. Let us okay. know what's going on. All right. So, uh, the webheads might have heard about some storms that came through the Midwest this week. Um, that's part of it. So just had had a really busy few days at work to end the week. And then, Last night, Friday night, um, we're helping my sister-in-law move. And so we show up at her house and we know that this big storm cell is like on its way to us. And uh, we're packing a moving truck full of boxes and stuff. And we're boxing up everything she's got. And we're trying to get this load over to her new place before the storm hits. And all of a sudden, this pit bull runs up to me and I'm in the mood I'm in the truck I'm like loading the truck and this pit bull just runs up to me and starts running around me and jumps in the truck and then runs and jumps <laughs> out runs into her apartment because the door is open and we're like oh my god whose dog is this <laughs> and the storm is on its way it's not and the dog is wanna... not being like what's its demeanor it's I can tell it's like because it's a pit bull, so you need to describe how. It's oh, acting. it was it was an absolute sweetheart. I was a little okay. scared <laughs> because when we did our door to door sales job, I got bit by a dog once. But I mean, this thing it it was just totally lovable, totally gentle, but like it was anxious. You know, it was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm lost from home, and who are you? And I can tell a storm's coming, and all this stuff. And we're like, we literally can't keep her here. We also can't take her with us. We also can't leave her outside. We also have to get going like within the next hour. What do we do? And the storm was supposed to start at like nine. I think it ended up holding off in our area until about midnight. And we needed every minute of that. So we were running around this apartment complex uh, trying to find like someone that was missing a pit bull and <laughs> someone said, Oh, I think I saw it come from over there. And we walked down to, you know, down the road to a different building and we this, see some, this, this reminds me of when Zach and I would do door to door. This is the type of stuff that I would just let my entire day turn into. If I like saw someone's dog or cat, I was like, well, I certainly don't want to walk around the neighborhood selling AT&T. I'd much rather walk around the neighborhood and try to figure out whose cat this is. Dude, I turned back into that person. I swear. Cause we were going into 
apartment lobbies and I was knocking on all the doors at once. <laughs> and both of my sister-in-laws were with me looking at that me like so I was an funny. idiot. That's so funny. The first door right I home. the first door I knocked on, I don't know why, but I did my salesman knock, which was the Super Mario theme. <laughs> And they looked at me, they're like, why'd you do that? And I was like, I don't know, I guess a habit. Because people don't want to answer the door to loud cop knocks. I, I, funny enough, sometime between last week when we recorded and this week, I also was at a situation where I was knocking on someone's door and it turns out they were still asleep. So I was actually sitting there knocking for about 15 minutes and they finally answered and I was like... I'm pretty persistent at a door, so I was going to stay here for a couple hours if I needed to, you know? Uh, and that's how I was knocking. I'd do the... <laughs> yeah. We, ever, we all had our little friendly knocks. Yep. Um, but anyways, we eventually found some people who were like, oh, it's... It belongs to that apartment over there, but don't even give it back to them. They're breeding pit bulls for fighting and they're selling them and they're abusing them. And animal control has been here so many times and they're building a case against them, like to take to the police and try and get all of these dogs like repossessed. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, well, I don't want to. That's hear obviously that. terrible. But now I, you have a pit bull that you have to do something with. And the thing is, I believe it because she was, I mean, she was the sweetest girl, but you oh, can tell sure. she had just given birth recently and she had like scratches and scars on her face. Oh. So it kind of added up and we were like, oh my God, we can't give her back to the owners. We can't leave her out in the rain. We can't take her with us. What do we do? And those neighbors who knew the story were nice enough. They were like, we have the animal control guy on speed dial because of them. Let they're off. They're off right now, but let, let us call him after hours and get him to come pick her up. And that's exactly what they did. And they sat with the dog until he got there. So we kind of figured out the dog situation. The storm is still coming. We were told it was going to hit at like nine o'clock. It was like, 850 and I was like okay let's go let's go let's go people we gotta we gotta get out of here and we somehow made it to her new place and unloaded the truck before anything happened and then our phones lit up with like the tornado watch they started like setting off the iPhone sirens and I was like we gotta go and we were driving back and we made it to my house at probably 11 30 and by like midnight a tornado had touched down right through the path that we had just driven and we saw all the stuff this morning i mean like warehouses are gone trees are ripped up properties are destroyed and like that's where it power lines are down and that's where we had just driven through wow. and then it insane. does oh the hits don't stop coming so we get home like Smash Mouth said, the hits yes. start coming and they don't stop coming. Exactly. Smash Mouth. It is. Yeah, it was a Smash Mouth of a day for me. <laughs> um, 
and I didn't feel like an all-star. So I'm exhausted. Keep in mind, I also worked that day. Like I was already just tired from like, you know, the old grind. And then we moved and dealt with the dog stuff. And I finally lay my head down to sleep. And about 15 minutes into that, we start hearing this like ungodly sound. And we're like, oh, it's probably the neighbor's trampoline in the wind. Like we we figured the springs are popping off. And I get up to go check, you know, once things have kind of settled down. And I go out in my bathrobe at like one in the morning. And my neighbor's trampoline is wrapped around the tree in my front yard. And it destroyed the fence between us. And it crushed my sister-in-law that lives with us. It crushed her car windshield. And by the path it took, it somehow... It went through the fence, hit the windshield, went airborne and turned and hit the tree. And that's the only explanation I have, because if it had kept going in a straight path, it would have also busted through the window that's right above where she sleeps. So luckily, our house was fine. So scary. Luckily, everyone was fine. The tree actually stopped it from just blowing down the street and causing more damage. But. There I was at like 1 a.m. like <laughs> taking pictures of that, you know, for insurance that and like, so, oh, man, that's realizing because no one got hurt. It, yeah, it's funny now. But I mean, at the time, like we were all so tired and we were like, oh, man, we have to get up in the morning and deal with this. Yeah. And then yeah. we did. And she wasn't even done moving. We just went and moved the rest of her stuff today and saw that like half the roads around us are just unusable because of like power lines down and trees down. Oh my gosh. That is, that is insane. Yeah. We got some storming here. Zach and I are on somewhat different parts of Indiana, like 30 minutes away. Um, But we didn't get anything that bad. Like I said, I, I I'm amazed our fence did not fall over because it's fallen over before, but it, it sounded like it was going to, but we got lucky, I guess. But that yeah. stinks. The pictures I saw on your Twitter this morning, that was... Uh, I was like, I didn't know Zach had a trampoline. And then I showed Elizabeth, <laughs> and she was like, I didn't know they had a trampoline. And I was like, I guess they do. I don't know. <laughs> nope. People next Na- door. Neighbor, neighbor's trampoline. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing some sort... We don't have to stay on it for too long, but I'm guessing your sister-in-law the insurance will cover that of some sort. I mean, yeah, I, the neighbor who owned the trampoline was very apologetic. He was, you know, he was like, as if it's his fault at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was yeah, like, I've already, you got to chain that thing down. He said, I've already called my insurance. They're going to take care of it. You know, we'll get this figured out. I'm sorry yeah. about that. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I just helped him throw it back in his yard. Yeah. <laughs> The kids are probably devastated. I asked him about that and he said, no, they were getting too old for it anyways. And the funny thing is we live across the street from a trampoline park. (laughs) So now if they ever miss it, they just, you know, go across the street. Well, that's for the best. So Uh, all this is to say I got back from um, moving her today and I just had to take a huge nap 
and that's why we're recording at night. Yes, life is it got in the way today. Um, but I'm glad you got your nap, and we're energized and ready to do this. I have my usual latte in my Spider Man cup. Yeah, I'm and just Zach's got his naturally bodily energy. I'm just running off of all the good vibes that I was storing up. Like I love it. The squirrels nuts for the winter. Like <laughs> as I was dealing with all of this nonsense over the last few days, I've just been thinking, well, at least I get to talk to my friend about comic books later. I know. And and we actually get to see a bunch of characters in these. This isn't just Spider-Man. We get a lot of people in in just one issue. Yeah. This you might even say is a super special issue. I'm I'm excited to get into it. I feel like that's as good as any of a place to to start. You want to toss it over to the BBB and then we get into it? I do. Sometimes, you know, a tornado wrecks your <laughs> wrecks your day and when that happens, you got to find a good company to come out and fix everything. So, anyway, here's the Better Business Bureau. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. Okay, we're back. We're ready to talk shop. We're doing Ultimate Spider-Man Super Special number one today. Zach, how did the naming of this happen? Why is it named so weird? Oh, something that's kind of common in comic books is like you put out an annual once a year, which is just like a double sized issue or triple sized issue or something that's like different that people don't have to buy but they'll enjoy if they do. And um, so it's not, it's not super plot relevant to the series. I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) You think this is really plot relevant? We finally get the conclusion to our weeks long, dare I say semester long project of your super, which superhero are you going to be in class? So if you want to know who Kong is, favorite superhero is then you're you're gonna need to read this issue is that fair to say yeah that's true i feel like most people who don't have a podcast about this probably forgot about that plot (laughs) but i know you and i were looking forward to it i definitely was um okay yeah this is just this is just an annual that they gave a fun name to nice okay that that makes it make a little more sense how it reads um so the yearly review ultimate spider-man super special number one we open on spidey explaining to someone kind of narrating a situation that happened in the past he's on his nightly watch when this guy starts running down the street like a maniac and he's like well that's nothing out of the ordinary that happens every night and then there was this other guy chasing him, which also wasn't out of the ordinary because every night in New York looks like a Joel Silver movie, which 
Zach, I don't know if you know who this is, but Joel Silver does vampire stuff. Oh, how fitting. Well, that's why he said it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it looked like Blade. We never got a name, but I'm sure it was Blade chasing this one guy, wasn't it? Okay, looks like yeah. Wesley Snipes. So Spidey is watching these two guys running down the street and he just sees Blade chasing this guy like shooting bullets through the middle of the street. So he takes Blade down and he webs his guns to the ground and then he webs up Blade. And as he turns his attention to this other guy, you know, he's asking if he needs any help. The man transforms into a vampire in front of him. Because from Spidey's point of view, it looked like Blade was the aggressor in this situation. Yeah, definitely. He's like chasing this guy, like shooting at him with katanas on his back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so understandably, Spidey's like, oh, that's the bad guy. Yeah. And but we've seen Spider-Man jump into situations before too quickly. So specifically with Daredevil and the Punisher in the past. So this vampire tra- or this guy transforms into a vampire. He's about to bite Spider-Man and then Blade, who has broken out of the webbing, stakes him through the heart and the vampire explodes into a bunch of pieces is what it looked like to me. And then Spidey's spider sense is like going crazy and he's like, um, what exactly is going on? And Blade turns to him and he says, kid, you ever touch me? You ever look at me again and I will eat your heart for breakfast while he is threatening him pretty aggressively with the stake that he just used to stab the vampire. So this really scared poor Peter Parker. He's pretty broken up about it. He's sitting on his bed with Mary Jane. That's who he's been telling the story to. And he's still just holding and looking at the stake that it's a wooden stake. Zach, not a T-bone. Why would it be a T-bone? I was just making a joke. Okay. <laughs> like the oh, different types of steaks. Okay. You'll have to forgive me. My nap didn't give me all of my senses back. <laughs> that was a good one. I'm yeah. sure it got a chuckle from a couple webheads. I'll I'll put in a uh rim Laugh track. Oh, yeah. that'd be great. Okay, that's perfect. We don't have laugh tracks yet. We don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> um so Peter's pretty freaked out about the whole situation. He's like, I just have no idea what's going on in these situations anymore. I don't even know if I should be Spider-Manning. Like, there's vampires now. What? And then he tells Mary Jane, because she's like, I hate hearing you talk about this. And he's like, no, I don't know if I should be doing this because that's not the only weird thing that happened this week. And then we kind of, yep, Zach. I was going to say, real quick, did it kind of feel like the art changed from the blade scene to them on the bed scene? Um, I didn't notice it there, probably because we just went from costumed people to like their everyday stuff. Right. But I definitely noticed it later on and wrote notes about it. Yeah. I'm just planting that seed that sometimes the art changes. Yes. I didn't notice it right there, but I'm sure that it did based on what you just said. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm, and I, so since we're kind of on that now, it, it, the art does change quite a bit in, in this like double issue. So what's the deal with that? They had like five or six different people draw it and write it or. Um, I think more than five or six. Uh, well, I, the only way reason I could tell right there was, you know, a change was like, look at the line work and like the thickness of the inking. Like you could tell me it was the same penciler maybe, but I could tell it was like a different inker and a different like colorer. Cause the colors got much like a, just a different tone. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's a thing in the comics industry called like a jam comic where it's like, you know, a certain creative team will get a couple pages and then it switches off to someone else. This is a jam comic and we will figure out later. Maybe we'll recognize just from the artwork, some of these people and we'll figure out at the end what the significance of that was and why they did it that way. Okay. Well, when Zach says we'll figure that out, it seems like what he means is he already knows this all and he's going to share it with me and you. Well, I'm sure you picked up on some of it. I definitely noticed some of the art changes, but I did. I don't know why or what the sign. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I'll get into it when the art changes. Right. I, love that. I, I know there are certain pages where I trust you'll look at that and be like, oh, that evokes this thing that we've seen before. Hatred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My point is, if you think about it, I think I think you'll you'll notice it. Okay. Um, so let's see where, oh yeah. Peter says, you know, that, that stuff with the vampire isn't the only weird thing that's happened to him this week. And then he explains an earlier encounter to Mary Jane. So here we cut to Electra and Zach, not Electro. Have we even met Electra? Electra? We like have through any of our comics. Do you want to give a brief overview of who she is real fast or, uh, I guess yeah. I guess they kind of ex- I guess they do kind of explain it a little bit. Yeah, I mean this comic it's introducing her, um, so they they give you enough, but she's just like a ninja lady that is a daredevil character. Um, she's got I don't know what they're called, like the little knife swords that one of the Ninja Turtles uses. She's got stuff like that, and okay, she, she does ninja things. She's a sexy ninja lady. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. She, that well said. Well said. <laughs> so Electra is running across rooftops and she's setting up like a little sniper stand to assassinate some important politician, I presume. And we get an entire page of artwork from the perspective of Electra looking through the sniper view and she's setting up the view. And as she's about to pull the trigger, she all of a sudden her view is obstructed in her little sniper hole. And we zoom out and we can see that it's Peter had webbed her sniper rifle and he's just standing right above, uh, you know, where she's got her sniper set up about to shoot. So, yes. Sorry. Again, about the art. This is an issue. I feel like you can't not comment about the art like so much of the time. That's a bit gratuitous. When I was say. not going to comment on it. I specifically made the decision. I wasn't going to say anything about it. 
um but it's pretty there's definitely some scenes where there's some shots where i feel like the artist was i don't know having a good time drawing yeah she's in about the thinnest like smallest underwear you can imagine and then they're bending her body into unreal proportions just so you can see one certain body part and another certain body part at the same time. <laughs> okay. Children listen to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty. Uh, and I'm only well, mentioning that not because like, you know, I'm a creepy guy and like, that's what I'm noticing. It's because that's right there on the page. That's what no, it's de- it, it definitely is. That's what they're putting yeah. at the forefront of, of, all of these panels yeah well you're the one that said she's a sexy ninja lady right or <laughs> what did you well, say <laughs> yeah that's her thing but they're leaning into it like yeah. more than they probably should um so spider-man's standing there and he she kind of looks up and sees him and he's like do you know where i can buy some red sashes because she's just got like these red flowing sashes that are all over her place that's like her costume and Electra starts jumping around and attacking Spider-Man with her knives and her daggers, and he's able to dodge around a bit, but then Electra flips over him, and she's about to stab him in his face, and then he catches her dagger with her hand, or with his hand, like you've probably seen in movies or TV shows before, where they stop at the knife right before it goes into their eye. And there's a couple panels where they're kind of fighting and she's trying to push the push her dagger in his face. But he's finally able to kind of like push her off and she jumps away off the rooftops. And Spider-Man is left just confused as ever. Zach, before we move past that page, do you have anything you want to add about our Electra scene? No, I you think- don't have to. You have no, I think you, I think you hit it. I mean, the thing about a lot of these scenes is they really aren't text heavy. It's like action or the artwork that's carrying the story. Yeah. Up until I think the very end. Um, and that this is one of those. This is one of those things. I mean, the whole the whole thing has like five word balloons. Yeah. So as we turn the page, what? just happened with the artwork in this comic we are all having such a good time and then this is the fantastic four guy again right it definitely jim, is jim the food <laughs> is, that, is that who this is i think i told you we've seen the last of him and apparently i was wrong uh, i love how that's what i <laughs> see that's what i was talking about like some of these people that are closer to like house style it's harder to tell them apart. But when you see no, Jim Mathood's art, obvious. yeah, you're not going to mistake it. <laughs> well, that, you know, it's funny you call it house because I, I said, you know, we went from classic drawing, classic comic drawing to this fantastic four type of drawing. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and, and then there's these pictures of Electra on this page also that are, like photorealistic pictures. See, I think someone else did that for him. They must have. It doesn't match at all. Because that looks like a different artist that we've seen. Does that feel like anything to you? Um, 
is that the person that I said reminds me of the Batman Arkham Asylum? Is is that the one that did the Punisher and uh Bill Sinkevich, yeah. yeah. I I would bet that's like a Bill Sinkevich painted piece. That's what it looks like. And and you know, later on in the issue you'll be talking about or the part you'll be talking about, that's the picture of her that comes back at the end. So maybe like they already had that page at the end set up and then they just took it back and like threw that picture in here when they needed to. They needed, they needed filler panels. Yeah. I could see that. So Peter and MJ who were just on their bed sharing stories, the artwork changes and now they're like in a computer lab in his basement or something, or maybe in like the science lab at school. I'm not even sure. There's like test tubes and things everywhere. I think it is his basement because he has his Spidey suit just haphazardly yeah, thrown over yeah, a definitely. chair. I, that's that's what I was thinking that it was. But I think there's a scene later on. Anyway. Yeah. So they're so they went to his basement and they're like Googling these people. Now, it made no sense. The switch. There was no transition at all. Um, and they are like Googling Electra. So they must have typed in like red sashes ninja and red sexy ninja lady tried to stab me new york city (laughs) and um and they find her online they see that she's an assassin for hire so they, they went to the dark web apparently and peter also finds the politician that she was trying to kill and it turns out zach that this guy was doing a genocide and that's why she was gonna kill him And Peter is having a crisis of confidence because once again, he just doesn't know if he's doing the right thing. Maybe he should have let Electra kill him. I'm going to go on record and say that if you're doing a genocide, you should probably die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, it's fair. If we're going to wish death on anyone, let it be genociders. Yeah. Um, so, MJ tells Peter that he just needs to talk to someone with more experience. And then in what gave me the biggest smile of the the comic, we turn the page and we are go to Nelson and Murdoch attorneys at law, which is of course the Matt Murdoch and foggy Nelson, Matt Murdoch, who's daredevil, their law firm that he works at. Um, and we, see Karen page. Who's the assistant at Nelson and Murdoch. And she's looking out the window and she's like, there he goes again. And Matt's like, what? And she's like, Spider-Man's been swinging past our window all day. And three hours later at the end of the workday, Matt Murdoch finally puts on his daredevil suit and goes and meets Spider-Man on the roof. And Spider-Man says that he heard daredevil never, never leaves hell's kitchen. So he just figured he'll swing around and eventually Daredevil will come out and say hello. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Did you notice? So Matt Murdock, still blind, no longer blonde. Oh my gosh. I don't think I did notice that. They heard your gripe from last <laughs> <Yes>. time. <laughs> that's great. Um, so do you think he saw Spider? Do you think he knew Spider-Man was swinging around before Karen Page said something? Definitely. Okay. We've, because the one other time we've seen them interact, 
he was sitting at his desk having a conversation and Spider-Man swung by and he he noticed it. And he was like, did he just swing by? Man, I hate that guy. He's so obnoxious. That's funny. Well, he does. He does say there who goes again. But then in the next shot of him, we can see like Spider-Man's reflection is in his glasses. So we can assume yeah. he's watching him, even though he's blind. Yeah, he's but, playing. Yeah, he probably for Karen. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's so smart and handsome now that he's not blonde. <laughs> you just love you some Daredevil. <laughs> I do. His costume is pretty goofy, but. <laughs> Man, when I was a kid, I thought he had the coolest costume. Did you? That's I was like, funny. oh, that's <laughs> so like smart. All spandex. His name is Daredevil because he does daring things, but he looks like a devil. Man, that's oh, awesome. He is so cool. <laughs> so spider-man and daredevil are talking on the roof and spider-man's like i just need to talk to someone he kind of comes to him like he's a therapist like daredevil is his therapist and he's like i'm just feeling really in over my head and i just didn't know who to talk to about it and daredevil gives him the dressing down of a lifetime (laughs) and i'm just gonna go ahead and read it because it was it was great. So Spider-Man tells him he's 16 and he says, well, the thing is, kid, you are in over your head. You're 16. Of course, you're in over your head. What do you think you're doing? And, and after everything Daredevil says, we just get a, sh- uh, a picture of Spider-Man and his eyes and his face just looking more confused and like shocked. Yeah, by the. It- his mask gets expressive yeah. in a way that's not literal, but it's like meant to show us his emotion. Um, so, and he says, you have no business doing any of this, but you have no concept of the responsibilities you have when you stick your nose in other people's lives. No wonder the press has a field day with you. They can sense the, the immaturity and Spider-Man's like, Hey, this isn't what I, and Daredevil just cuts it off and goes, are you prepared for the worst? Are you prepared for that moment when some bipolar maniac whose mother didn't love him enough makes you choose between a gun in your loved one's head or saving the life of a total stranger just because he gets some sexual charge out of making you suffer? I don't care what your answer is. The answer is no. The answer is that you're too young and too silly to live this life. Go back to school. Go back to your mommy and talk to me in five years, ten years even. You're lucky I don't rip that stupid mask off of you and give you over to the police right now. (laughs) And yeah, I was okay. You do your first yours first. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was just going to say and Spider-Man just looks shocked and swings away. He's like, I didn't. This is not what I came here for. (laughs) Um, I don't know what about. I loved it. I I know. I know. I don't know what it was about their previous encounter that made Spider-Man think. Who's someone that'll be really understanding to my plight? Oh, I know. Daredevil. Because he kind of like messed up Daredevil's whole deal. Yeah. The one other time they've interacted. Yeah. But I was also going to say, besides Ultimate Spider-Man, I mean, Bendis has written everything for Marvel, but um, maybe the thing that he's most famous for or most celebrated for is a really good run on Daredevil that he had. So it makes sense to me that he has both of these characters voices down pat. Yeah. I have still never really read that much daredevil. And I was thinking 
going into i don't know i'm really happy with the way this scene played out you know when we saw daredevil i was like oh i wonder what their conversation is going to be like and i'm like oh good daredevil just yelled at him for like two pages (laughs) so i haven't read nearly as much daredevil as i should because i really like him and i i need to just start reading more daredevil but when i was a kid And most of my comics were just individual issues um, from like all eras that just had no context around them. Like the only thing that I kind of tried to keep reading was Ultimate Spider-Man. But my favorite comic I had as a kid, I can vividly remember, was a Daredevil issue. And I was like, on the strength of that one issue of his that I had, I was like, Daredevil is one of my favorites. His show's coming out. He's got a new show coming out. I'm excited. Hopefully it's a good one. I know. Yeah. Me too. So Spidey swings away from Daredevil and now they're back in class and the kids are a week away from their superhero presentation. Um, and Flash needs to do well on this. We learn or maybe it's Kong. No, I don't remember. I think it's Kong needs to do well on this because he just flunked a quiz. So he needs a good grade on this presentation, Zach. Yeah. And Peter and MJ walk out of class together, but as but then Peter kind of drifts apart and walks through the school alone and he puts his head against the wall depressed as if he's giving up. And in the same scene that Peter is giving up in the same shot, we can see the corner of a banner from a school pep rally that says you can do it. And I just felt like that was some good juxtaposition there. That's so funny. So that's this is the page where our coverage switches. We're halfway through it. And this is a double-sized issue. So John just did the equivalent of one issue. And then I do my issue. And Zach's, just, Zach's issue is pretty easy. Now, once, you, once you hear about how tired he's been the last couple of days, you can see why he chose the back half. Oh, uh-huh. The last well, 15 I was... pages have like 12 words on them. <laughs> Oh, whatever. So um, I actually thought I was going to get those pages. And so I made notes about them and they're silent. There's no from the time he leaves the classroom, there's no words. But I'm glad you did it instead of me because I did not catch the banner that says you can do it. I didn't have that in my notes. And I think that's a that's a nice touch. That's so what thank we call you for- mise-en-say in the movie biz. Yeah, it's the stuff that's filling up the screen, you know. Yes, thank you for catching that. <laughs> yeah, uh, what did you think about it? What did you think about the first half of our super special, dude? I like it. I like this kind of thing. Obviously, it can't be the issues you do all the time, but it feels really nice to see. Yeah, you know, no, everything I, you want. I agree. I said. Uh, you know, we got Blade, we got Electra, we got Daredevil. Um, I like the Peter Parker storyline with him wondering if he's doing the right thing, you know? And there's a very specific line that I'm hoping comes up to wrap this whole questioning of himself that he's doing. And we'll see if it comes up in the next issue. Does it have to do with power and responsibility? Um, it it does. It does. And and I'll be upset if I don't get to was see it, that see that line. Was it said by the first prime minister was, of India? It was said by the first prime minister of India, exactly. <laughs> um 
But if they didn't give me Jim Mafood's artwork in the middle of this one, I would probably not have any complaints about it. But because they did, I do have that one complaint. So um, I gave this one seven and a half out of ten red sashes. Okay. Um, wow, we've never de- done a mid-issue thing before. So well, we don't even have to. I just figured no, since that's we were switching. We... Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll give it nine out of ten red sashes. Ooh, now I wish I had given it eight. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> change my. I'm gonna change my grading to eight. Final tallies are in, folks. Yep. Um, seventeen out of twenty red sashes total. <laughs> All right, so we see Peter in his Spidey suit in Times Square watching the big TV as Captain America makes his first public appearance in decades. And I'm going to be honest, I wish I could tell you I planned this out. I didn't. But this lines up exactly with where we left off last week in the Ultimates. It does. You didn't. I, I figured that's why we were doing this right now. Um, I actually forgot about this issue. Like, we're doing this right now because uh, a guide that I'm following online for the continuity of this um series reminded me that this issue issue existed because I had read it before, but everything that I remembered about it, I thought happened in the main series. I thought all of this was going to come at some in some later issue in the main series, and I forgot that they did an annual this year. Uh, well, let me just say Captain America is looking jacked. Also unrealistic is that oh, yeah. i don't think that this is that rob life life felt guy but isn't that like supposedly what all of his drugs look like captain america is the most barrel chested man in the world and his waist looks like a victoria's secret model john i'm so proud you knew rob Liefeld did that drawing and used the word barrel chested to describe it because i was just <laughs> about to ask you to google for that image is it's this who? That's this one. That's no, this no, drawing. That's, oh, okay. that's not Rob Liefeld did seen, not touch this that, book. I've seen that drawing that you're referring to. Though. Yes, that's the most mocked single drawing in probably the history of comics, yeah. <laughs> as it should be. But yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, Captain America looks like an oak tree with a snatched waist. <laughs> um. So he's seeing Peter sees people in the street watching the screen and cheering for Captain America and Tony Stark. And I'm going to read Tony's dialogue that's coming through over the screen. So the the reporters are asking Tony who the new team, the Ultimates, will work for. And Tony says they work for whoever needs them. These are complicated times and it's a complicated world. People need heroes they can count on. And as he says, people need heroes they can count on. We see Spider-Man standing on top of a skyscraper looking into the river. And he can see fireworks coming from the raft where they're having their little gala. So presumably he's internalizing that as he is going to be one of those heroes that people need to count on. This is him thinking about going to ask that what you thought this picture of him with his face like where you can see his face what emotion do you think they're trying to convey with that 
I because he's in his mask. We can't really yeah. tell, but I think it's him hearing exactly what he needs to hear when he's questioning being Spider Man. I think, and based on what we see him do next, I think he's like feeling really sad that he didn't get invited to be like that. He's not like in this team because that's what he wants is just to like be a part of a group like doing good. And he's like, Oh, they're, they're doing it without me. And I think he's feeling kind of sad. That is really (laughs) interesting that you read that and that that's what to you sets up the next scene, because you're probably right you're looking at it in a vacuum and you're like, Oh, that was the cause. And this is the effect. The next scene to me, I saw in a completely different context. I saw, okay, so we, we closed the chapter on that scene and now we're going to do a callback to Spider-Man issue one, because that's what this next one is. I'll, I'll get into it. So the next day we see that the fantastic four, and I put in parentheses, who should not exist yet. Why 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 do they just have to I can't even hold this in to let you finish talking about that. Why do they have to be so goofy in this run? Why can't we just like see the Fantastic 4 act like regular you know, they're they just always look goofy and they're always acting goofy and well, I think this is significantly less goofy. I think this is less goofy than the one other time you've seen them. But it's just barely we like join them and and the thing and Johnny are like screaming at each other about video games and like, you know, they're about to fight over it. And it's like, yeah, you guys have more important things to be doing. No, uh, no. I mean, that's <laughs> them. They shouldn't if you, exist. <laughs> if you ever look at the Fantastic Four and say, don't you have more important things to be doing? You're going to hate the Fantastic Four because they are always in a world that's like constantly on the verge of like destruction. Reed's always tinkering with something and they're always like visiting space. Like they're not known for being like super helpful or rational people or anything. I think that, I think that's just going to be a barrier for you. (laughs) Well, I, well knowing that about them, then this won't annoy me as much, but I thought they were like these like tremendous characters who, are so important and have such like good characterization. And then every time we see them, they're just like total idiots. <laughs> like well, they're just screaming they are, at each other about something and they're being drawn by Jim Mafood. They're not superheroes. They're, they're like explorers and scientists. Like they, they serve a different role for the Marvel universe than the Avengers do. And they also are a family, so they're like more expressive with each other. I mean, they'll they'll like get into, you know, fights and, you know, yeah. bust each other's chops yeah. a little bit. You know what um, comic series I see on the Ultimate Marvel home on the Marvel Unlimited homepage all the time that I think I'm just going to have to break down and read sometime. Um, What's that? But the kang only myself left to conquer have you read that i haven't so i mean they're advertising that because of the mcu every time something oh, new com- comes I mean, up definitely you'll see them refresh that home page and what they recommend well that's why i want to read it because i'm interested in that and i know that the that the fantastic four has to do 
part of that because I think they like somehow go back in time and find him in Egypt. And I know he's like a descendant of Reed. I don't know. I've kind of read a little bit about it, about it, but yeah, I don't know that that would be in that series. I think that'd probably be in like more classic fantastic four stuff, but it might touch on that. I know that it does. Okay. Just because I've, I've, I've like, I've looked at the cliff notes for that comic run. Okay. Yeah, cool. Then, I mean, if you check it out, yeah. um, let me know what you think of it. Oh, I'll let you know. So, uh, Johnny Storm and the Human Torch and Ben Grimm, the thing, are playing a video game and Johnny is taunting Ben because he just beat him. And Ben's getting agitated and is about to hit Johnny when the building alarm says security breach, section alpha, over and over again. And we see that a tractor beam is suspending Spider-Man in place. And Reed Richards asks the computer, what is happening here? And it says, this specimen was scaling the building. The security systems engaged him successfully. The ion field immobilized him and he is trapped in stasis, awaiting your next request. And the FF scan Peter and pull up his shield file. And they say, he's just a kid. And Reed remarks, Look at that. Look at who his father was. And then Reed tells the computer to take Peter out of stasis. And Peter wakes up and says he feels like he's going to puke. But then he's frightened when the first thing he sees is the thing. And he reflexively webs Ben in the face and starts backflipping away. And mid-jump, he realizes his mistake and apologizes And then Reed calls him by his name and Peter asks him why he called him that. And Reed explains that they pulled his file and Peter says he didn't even realize he had a file. And after an awkward moment, Peter asks them if they're hiring. And he says he's tired of getting smacked around by the press and he knows the city respects the Fantastic Four and he thinks he could learn a lot from them in the field. And he tells him he can help with science stuff as well. And maybe he won't have to wear a mask anymore and can move his aunt into a nicer place. And what I was saying earlier about like, oh, you thought this was like a cause and effect from the last scene. And it probably was. He's he's sad that he doesn't have a superhero team to join. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I I think you're right about that. But I think the other part of it is in Spider-Man issue one the beginning of his series after he had been introduced in amazing fantasy 15, the very cover of it is Spider-Man in the fantastic fours lab looking at them. And part of the plot of that story is he breaks into their building and asks for a job and they tell him no. So this is literally that classic plot that Bendis is putting back in. And we know, I mean, for things like that, like he's already reused the death of Gwen Stacy, but it was with MJ and she lived. He's, yeah. You know, he revisits these classic things sometimes. So I figured that was all there was to it. Um, and just like in the original story, Reed awkwardly tells Peter that they're not a team, they're a family, and they're not looking to expand. And he also says he's running out of patents to sell to finance their endeavors and is nearly broke. He couldn't pay Peter if he wanted to. And Peter says he's embarrassed and starts to leave through the window. And as Peter leaves, 
Reed says, Peter, I want you to know I was a very big admirer of your father's. I didn't know him, but I read a lot of his work. I imagine he would have been amazed by you. And Peter swings out the window and Johnny flames up and flies after him, telling him to wait. And Johnny tells Peter that the stuff he's going through is normal. And Peter says, really normal? Because I'm sticking to a wall 20 stories up, talking to a floating man engulfed in flames. And Johnny says, what I mean is it's normal to be a little freaked out about it. Reed wouldn't admit this, but we're all in therapy. Regular therapy, couples therapy, group counseling. He says him and Ben go four times a week. And Johnny tells Peter, you choose to see this all as a blessing or you don't. You choose to accept the responsibilities or you don't. You got your powers by accident? Yeah, me too. And what did we do? We choose to do something worthwhile with them. We chose that. And some of these colossal idiots we come up against, they choose to use whatever they have as some kind of excuse to be vindictive or just plain mean. They didn't have to do that. They chose to. I'm just saying this. It looks like you chose right. Right? So he's giving him some of the, you know, same power and responsibility themes without actually saying the words. He's saying, you know, you got your powers by accident. What are you going to do with them? Be a good guy or a bad guy? It looks like you chose to be a good guy. And then Johnny says, listen, I got to get back. But you ever want to go to a ball game or something? Just swing by. To be honest, I have absolutely no friends anymore. And Johnny flies away while Peter watches him. And good if it feels that was yeah. a good moment. And if it feels like my scenes are taking longer than John's and I'm using more words, it's because they are. This was this was a bunch of pages and a lot of text. Yeah. Yeah, these ones specifically with the Fantastic Four, yeah, there's a ton of text on all these pages. Yeah. And we switch scenes to Midtown High on the day of the superhero project. Kong is dressed like the Punisher, holding a spray-painted super soaker above his head, which I thought you could not get away with today in schools. Um, and he's giving uh, his presentation in character. And the teacher stops him and says, sit down, Kenny. And Gwen and Kong start fighting and name-calling as Gwen says, the assignment was supposed to be about heroes, not a chance for you to get up in front of the class and live out your homicidal fantasies. And Kong doesn't know the meaning of homicidal, so he responds, Hey, I ain't oh my gay. Gosh, dude, is that what that was in reference to? I was like, he said, he says, Hey, I ain't gay after she said that. And I read it like three times and I was like, She doesn't call you gay. <laughs> And then two panels later, Kong is like, well, I don't know how she gets away with calling me gay. And I'm like, she didn't say that. I thought I thought he was using the word fantasy as like inferring what she meant by that. Nope. And I'm like, no, she just meant like killing people fantasy. Oh, dude, I was like pretty confused. I thought Kong was projecting. 
I think he's just a blockhead and he doesn't know the <laughs> difference between homicide and homosexual. That that makes sense. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I was confused. Yeah. It it took me a, a second to figure it out too. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty clever. Uh so the teacher tells them to settle down, but also says Gwen is right. And she says, Frank Castle is not a hero. He's a disturbed man who hopefully is rotting in jail. And like John said, Kong says again, well, I just don't ha- know how she gets away with calling me gay. And the teacher ignores him and says, she okay, says, let's, says, okay, let's move on. <laughs> John, I'm not going to ask you as a teacher to confirm or deny that you maybe have least favorite students or more difficult students, but I feel so bad for this woman that she has Kong and Gwen in her class because <laughs> I can tell when she goes home at night and pours herself a tall glass of wine, those two are the reason why. Uh, I I feel like this, this line that she just said in this where she goes, oh, okay. Let's move on. I feel like she says that 400 times a day. Just exasperated. Okay. What's next? (laughs) Every sigh means something. Whether it's, I don't get paid enough for this, or I need a cigarette, or (laughs) I should have become a veterinarian. (laughs) Um, So, the teacher calls on Peter to give his presentation next and oh i forgot to mention i'm going to talk about the art again so when we switched to midtown did you notice who the artist is um this is just our classic run so that means this would be mr mark bagley it is we've got mark bagley on the pencils and Here's a tease for something interesting that I was going to talk about. We may have had some communication with Mark Bagley this past weekend. So sit on that for the next 10 to 15 minutes, webheads. <laughs> that may have is We've pulling had, a lot of weight. Totally like, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so it's Peter's turn for the presentation and my notes just say read the rest of the book because that's what I figured you would do. There was no way to condense this. Yeah. Um, so Peter says, yeah, I'm ready. My father. I don't remember ever seeing his face, but because of my uncle Ben, I will always remember his words that with great power, there must also come great responsibility. I've been waiting for it. It came at a satisfying time. They could have ended the book there. It came in his superhero presentation. We've been waiting semesters for (laughs) incredible chef's kiss. Yep. And we turn the page and. I got to talk about it. The art here. We know who that is. The problem with. Okay. So the problem with this is. It's hard to narrate the rest of this book because the words are just little text bubbles that continue across multiple pages. And on all of the pages, it's just splash pages of like artists giving it their best. And so we've got like 
the Hulk and Thor and Captain America and all these different heroes. And it was definitely, it looks like it's the ultimate lineup actually. And it's definitely drawn by, um, Bill Sienkiewicz. And Peter says, heroes. The way I see it, when most people think of heroes, they think of larger-than-life patriots. Men and women who have dedicated both their personal and professional lives to represent a symbol of hope to those whose life might seem hopeless. A colorful embodiment of selfishness. So, so, excuse so me, I, selflessness. And, and the... So the reason I, I think it shows like the Avengers here or the Ultimates, I guess, would be because they're just like your stereotypical when people think of a superhero. That's like during his speech, I feel like there is rhyme and reason to what's drawn to be sure. what he's saying. You know, yes. it's kind of describing the type of hero that he's talking about at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that was the Hulk until I like looked at it for a couple more seconds trying to figure out everyone. I was like, I don't know. I don't know who the Solomon Grundy guy is. I don't know who the old guy who looks half dead is behind him. I don't yeah. know who this girl with no hair is. I think it's... that's Hank Pym up top. <laughs> yeah, I think the girl is a wasp. The ones that get me is. But, you know, that's that's actually. That's not even Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, is it? That's David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Yeah, or that's is it? weird. I mean, or maybe it's it's not Samuel L. Jackson. I know that's that definitely it's, not Samuel L. Jackson. That's a guy in an eye patch, and then I'm not sure who the dude in between him and Thor is. Yeah, I don't. That looks like a Hawkman or something. I don't even know. Yeah, and then the iron man that's behind them looks more like the orphan maker for people who know who that is. Anyways, the art is cool. The characters are a little unclear, yeah, but whatever the art is cool. Yeah. Um, back to Peter's speech. I feel bad. It's a good speech, but we're totally going to be diverting a lot from it to talk about the art. He says, but of course that's not the only form a hero's life can take. So he, he just set up, these ultimate characters that's who people think of as superheroes but maybe there's more to it and you turn the page and you get a big beautiful page of um dr strange doing some magic stuff and peter says and there are so many places that our heroes can come from so many worlds within our world worlds of magic then we see tony stark creating an iron man suit it says worlds of technology. So then we've got a like spiraling page with kind of weirdly shaped panels, but you know, it looks cool and it's got uh Spider-Man saving black widow and it's got a picture of Nick Fury and then a big drawing of black widow. And it says worlds of intrigue. And then the next page, this is. I knew you were going to tell me that this was like a famous picture. Are, are you going to say could that you this tell? was. I just, I could just like tell. The, here's how I knew. Because we didn't see this scene happen yet. 
or at least in our run, we've never seen this happen. Spider-Man's like swinging in the Fantastic Four thing, and they're all drawn like normal heroes who don't look like idiots. And and it, it looks like it's from something before, because I know we haven't seen it yet. And I was like, I bet Zach's going to tell me that this is from something. That is the cover of Spider-Man issue one drawn by Jack Kirby and not, it's not drawn by Jack Kirby right here. This is someone else redrawing it, but uh, the people are framed and like situated the exact same way. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a cover drawing kind of where Spider-Man would meet the fantastic four. Yes. uh, It's a very famous one. Um, and it says a world where, a family of adventurers can bond together in the fight for the underdog. And then we turn the page and we see the X-Men looking cool, just running across a rooftop. And it says, and when speaking of the underdogs of our society, one can't help but think of mutants, people whose entire existence is defined by their unique genetic birthright. And like every civil rights embattled minority before them, some mutants have come together using their celebrity and power to help fight for their cause. And then we stop with his narration for a page and we see John, you want to describe this art? Um, it looks like, what does this look like? What does this remind me of? Maybe Microsoft like Among Paint. Us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's definitely like backyard baseball, kind yeah. of. Very two dimensional, sketchy. Yes. Yes. But it's Iceman from the X Men in just walking around in public, and like people are frowning at him, and a little girl is scared of him and hugs her mom. And Peter says, on the next page, which is just a close up of Iceman says, while others wade through life's persecutions and misunderstandings by attempting to live their everyday lives with nobility and grace. Peter writes really good for a 15 year old. He does. Mm -hmm. And then we turn the page. John, can you tell us who this artist is? Is this Bill Sienkiewicz? That's Bill Sienkiewicz. Do you think it look? Do you like this art? Does it look good? Um, I I don't want to say it doesn't look good or not. But okay, so I was I was actually thinking about this today when I was driving over to my sister's, um, because I know I talk about the art and it's like, uh, John likes art that looks good and yada yada. But I was thinking about the Bilson Kevin chart. And the specifically also the Arkham Asylum Batman comic that reminds me of it so much. And it's just like unsettling to me. It's not that it's bad. It's just there's just something unsettling about it. And not as much this. I really thought that more about the Batman Arkham Asylum comic because it's like such a good one. Which wasn't Bill Sienkiewicz. Which but was not Bill Sienkiewicz, but it, but it reminds the, me of the, the style was similar. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this is to me. This like Wolverine shot. It's just, 
Yeah, this is doesn't sit right with me for some reason. It's very experimental. There's like a big red Wolverine that is kind of bleeding into a smaller human Wolverine. But then that human Wolverine is split in half and you can see his like adamantium skeleton on the other side. And then it's like the whole background is kind of black, like blank there's space also this like jokerish type of like writing mutant above him like in multiple places yeah it's uh he was definitely i was gonna say he was flexing his talents he was showing off but i feel like that's every bill Cabbage panel and peter says but a noble soul can whether they want to or not find himself on a warrior's path Sometimes I wonder if being persecuted and embattled because of who they are makes the choice of becoming a warrior predestined, predetermined. And that it's the choice choices made there when faced with that unthinkable that defines them. And we turn the page and we've got another Bilson Cabbage joint and it's the Punisher and Daredevil. And Peter says, because we do not live in a black and white world. Cliche, but true. We live in a world where any around any corner an act of violence is waiting that can change your life forever. And Daredevil's got a really cool like sonar, like sonar rings, like kind of going through his head. I don't know. It's a cool one. Yeah. I'll give Bill Sienkiewicz some love since I... <laughs> His Murdoch senses are tingling. Yeah. And Peter says, and whether we want to admit it or not, it is at those times when we need someone who is willing to cross the line of what is technically or morally right and wrong. So I'm not sure I agree with him there that like what makes a hero is like a warrior spirit that'll, you know, do the thing that needs to be done, even if it's wrong. Like, I think it makes cool dialogue but I, i'm glad he doesn't really take it to heart yeah and daredevil think, doesn't do that daredevil doesn't like <laughs> that's more the punisher you could say yeah and we turn the page again and we get that picture of electra that you were talking about earlier that that has come back up now and it's a full picture of her it's not just like zoomed in on her face and Peter says, but with that comes the risk that the world can become so dark and so compromised that there can be no escape, no chance for happiness. And we turn the page again and we're back to Mark Bagley's art. And it's just a, you know, some shots of Peter swinging through the city as Spider-Man. And he says, so in my search for the hero I admire most in my search for the definition of what a hero is. The one thing that I realized is that I will eventually have to make certain choices that will define me in my life, or maybe I already have, and I don't even recognize them yet, but I guess I don't have to worry about it all too much because of all the people in our everyday lives, in the news, in sports, in law enforcement, teachers, musicians, and yes, larger-than-life superheroes, all the people who stand for something bigger than ourselves. 
for me, only one man, a man I never met, has given me the words to live by that I know I have to live, I have to hold my life up to. I know that they are the words that define a hero, that with great power, there must also come great responsibility. He said it. He said the thing. And the man who told them to my departed uncle, who told them to me, my father. And we see Gwen and MJ and the teacher and Kong just kind of looking at him various degrees of like stunned because he just killed it. And then we see Peter kind of slump his head and walk back to his desk. And the teacher says, very nice job, Peter. Any opinions? Or do we just want to let it sit for a minute? And the story ends. Didn't really dress up like a superhero. Good well, speech. She, Didn't understand she, the assignment. Well, John, you might have forgotten because it was quite a few issues ago, but um, she said they didn't have to dress up. So I take it to mean Kong really wanted to dress up. <laughs> and in this in this issue, she says that they they can if they want to. And they and they actually even say it doesn't even have to be a superhero. It can be like someone you make up, you know. Um, yeah, but I still don't know if Peter fully, you know, did the assignment. It's a good speech. I um, dude, if a kid spilled their soul like that and had the words of a poet in your class, but they didn't like meet a rubric, would you really knock them? And they were talking about their dead dad. <laughs> I wouldn't have the heart uh, for it. <laughs> um, if there was a rubric. I would obviously try to find them the points, but if it was like, what was your superhero's name? You didn't tell me that. Was he like first name man or something? Last name but, dad. Yeah, yeah, but you know, or it's like, what would your costume be? Well, you didn't do that, so you, you know, know you're what, gonna get what, eighteen out of twenty on the assignment. Still ninety. <laughs> You know what all dads wear a pair of white sketchers <laughs> new balance. And then, yeah. A pair of white new balance shoes and then, uh, or Nike air monarchs. And then you have yeah. a matching pair that's green for mowing the lawn. <laughs> I kind of can't stand the fantastic four, which you already were told. I liked the superhero speeches. Um, I was waiting and hoping from like the first page that we would get some real good with great power comes great responsibility. And we got that. It tied it together pretty well. Um, so based on that alone, and, and that was really what this issue was a lot of art. I would say the last like 15 pages were just double, double sided, like full, full page drawings of the superheroes. So, well, um, yeah, and the speech, which was broken up over all of those yeah, pages, but yeah. overall was, it, I mean, it was a big, it, it would have been a huge speech bubble on one page, but they just yeah. like spread it out. Yeah, and I liked it. I liked all the drawings, got to see all, this, all the heroes. Um, so I'm ready to give this one a high rating, but I don't have a rating system. Um, How about... 
on a scale from oh his grade should he should we grade his speech yeah okay <laughs> what what do you what do you okay. give okay um i think so at the school i teach at an a is 92 percent is where an a ends so I think I am going to give him a 92%. I'm going to keep it at an A minus, but he he didn't do we're we're not really grading his speech, we're grading the comics and I'll take those points off for the characterization of the Fantastic 4. Um but but it was pretty good. Both issues were pretty good overall. Yeah. I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. I liked the back half better than the, the front half. Yeah. And I thought the whole comic overall was good. Yeah. I would agree with both of that. I liked the back half also more than the front, but they were both, they were both really good. Yeah. So now we're on the last page and you already kind of, you know, hinted at it, but you can see the names of all these people that were on this and we can see a lot of these are familiar names to us. Some of them we already pointed out like um, Jim Mafood, Bill Sienkiewicz, Mark Bagley, uh, John Romita senior on page nine and 10 is a really interesting one because he's probably considered one of the top two or three most famous, most influential Spider-Man artists of all time. Like when you look at classic Spider-Man art, obviously Stanley and Jack Kirby invented the character and had like did him together for a really long time. But most of the stuff that like gets put on lunch boxes and posters from those, from that era is actually John Romita senior artwork because people tend to like that better than Kirby's Spider-Man. So having John Romita senior draw Spider-Man in your book is kind of like a badge of honor. And then, um, page 50 and 51, uh, Dave Gibbons. I'm pretty sure he's the guy who drew Watchmen. And, um, I want to read, there's a note from Brian, Michael Bendis. And I see, wait, should we see who was drawing, um, Electra? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. She was like page 11 through 14. Page 14 was was the was Oh, the um yeah, it's Frank Cho. Frank Cho. Get a grip, dude. It's a kids comic book. Yeah. I mean, he's not the first and he's not the Frank last Cho's person. Frank canceled. He's not the first and he's not the last artist to draw her like that or yeah. many female heroes for that matter. Um, so I want to read this note from Brian Michael Bendis at the end of the issue. He says, I couldn't let you guys go without properly saying goodbye to Ultimate Marvel team up. Some of you may not have realized that you are holding the big swan song for that series. Team up was a dream come true on so many levels, but the best part was the privilege of working with the amazing array of legendary artists who lent their talent and trust to this project. Do yourself a favor. Look at some of the names in this book and the rest of the ultimate Marvel team up. 
these are the artists that will define the, this generation of comics. Some of them you know, some of them you do not. But take my word for it, each of them has created important, interesting, fun, innovative, seminal pieces of graphic novel fiction that is essential to your comic book library. My only regret to share with you is that my comic book career cup had runneth over to the point that I was unable to continue this series as I had planned to. I had so much more to show you. So I think that's kind of sweet. And, you know, when we thought we were done with team up, um, we said our, our critiques of it was that the ending felt rushed and that there were more characters that we didn't get to see. And that it didn't always feel like it was tied together with the main ultimate Spider-Man series. And I feel like this super special, which I had forgotten about when I said that did all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was fun getting to see all the, all the superheroes that we met through team up. Yeah. And I think, I I said specifically, I wish we could have seen him with Ghost Rider. I don't think that ever happens in the ultimate line, but um, Captain America, I mean, we kind of got an answer as to why that didn't happen because he was watching Captain America, you know, make his public appearance in Ultimates 3, just like we all were. So it, it almost, that almost seemed to me like Bendis saying we would have liked to have done a Captain America issue, but here's why we couldn't. Yeah. Well, and we should see like Spider-Man's going to join the Ultimates, right? What are we doing next week? <laughs> so next week we, we are back in the Ultimates. We are doing um, issues four and five. Like, I just assume Spider-Man is going to join these guys, or is that not the case? Are we kind of off Spider-Man while we're do while we do the Ultimates? I'll say their paths cross. Okay. He just wants a team, Zach. He's I mean, he's going to get his own people. I am very excited for like kind of later in this run when the supporting cast grows. Um, obviously everyone's nostalgic for these early issues. They have their own charm, but it's kind of going to grow over time. And it, it won't be anything official, but he, I mean, he gets a team. He gets, okay. he gets good people that you, you get excited to see him with. Good. Yeah. Is that a wrap on this one? I think that's a wrap. Um, you said you had something else. Oh my gosh. I do. Oh, I actually, okay. Two things. Zach. Two things. <laughs> One of them is this also happened to Zach and he shared it with me, but I'll just go ahead and say it. So Zach got an Instagram message from Mark from an account <laughs> that was purported to be run by Mark Bagley and Zach. Mark, so have your messages pulled up. Mark underscore Bagley underscore. Um, and I think what, what happened? He asked you to follow him or something, and then Zach Dude. followed him and so and then he asked Zach for some money. <laughs> no, so I got 
I just got a notification on Instagram that said Mark Bagley followed you. And it's weird because it was my personal account. It wasn't our podcast account. And I was like, huh, how about that? And then he sends me a message that says, hello. And thinking I'm talking to the real guy, because who would be crazy enough to impersonate like <laughs> a comic book artist on Instagram? And it's and it's his profile picture I've seen before, and he's got a thousand followers. And I'm like, OK, whatever. I had I just I hadn't seen enough yet to be suspicious. I was like, hi there. Thanks for the follow. I'm guessing you followed me because of the podcast. And I sent this to John at that point, And I was like, dude, this is kind of cool. And his very next words were, <laughs> and I was like, and I, and I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. Like, and then two minutes later, Zach, Zach sends me this next message. <laughs> he says, send me your WhatsApp number. And I was like, what? And he goes, Hey, if you want me to promote your podcast and join my group, message me on my personal WhatsApp, send me your WhatsApp numbers and I will add you. And I said, what group? And he said, whatsapp group and then he said have a nice day <laughs> <laughs> so wait did you do it at all no of course i, I didn't do see it how, i want to go down this rabbit hole figure out what he's even doing well yes. he said never mind after that or he what? said have a nice day and i was like like what's the group for and he said never mind and i said are you the real mark bagley and instead of a yes or no he said I created this account because I wanted to communicate with my fans and help 15 people who truly appreciate and support me. I love the podcast you did. I want to know, I want you to know that you're among the 15 people I will help. And then he oh said, my gosh. And then he said, forward don't the let this opportunity go to waste. He said, forward the podcast to me. And I stopped responding because I'm like, okay, first of all, I know you're not the real Mark Bagley, but second of all, I know you didn't, listen to the podcast because why are you saying you loved it <laughs> and you're now yeah. asking for the link oh that's so, funny so i think this was like maybe a bot that like saw that i was following mark ba the actual mark bagley and met, took his profile picture and his name and had knew nothing about him didn't know who this guy was but just know he was on my follower list or something because I didn't get the sense that this person even realized they were impersonating like a comics artist. Like, yeah. I don't think they knew the first thing about, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. It was a roller coaster of emotions for like three minutes. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, Mark Bagley's hitting us up. We got, you know, some good comments here from people which by the way if anyone wants to leave us a comment on like what apple Podcasts, or can you do that on spotify or i don't think i know we can do it on comments spotify. on youtube um, yeah we've we've gotten some yeah. really kind words this week definitely i thought Warmed mark Bagley was one of them <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's a little that's we Not were getting the cards too yet. big for our britches, I think. I know. We saw all these nice comments from real people, and then the universe just had to knock us down a peg. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that was really funny. And then, Zach, so I, on spring break this past week, I spent some time doing a little inside joke for my sister and I, because we always watch the Avengers movies and the Harry Potter movies, and... 
blah, blah, blah. And I tried to upload this video I put together onto our YouTube. Unfortunately, it got copyright struck. But I think that if you went to, can you, I don't know if you can log into our YouTube channel. You might have to cut some of this while we're trying to pull all this up. But I was going to give you the opportunity to watch this video and then uh, and then tell the listeners what you think. It's pretty stupid, Zach. Okay. And are you a Harry Potter fan? And are you an Avengers fan, Zach? Um, I'm. I mean, you know, I like the Avengers. <laughs> um, I I liked Harry Potter infinitely more you know before jk rowling became a transphobe oh yeah that yeah, whole thing has kind of been a deal breaker you know what this reminds me of what? um the edits that people do for the end game fight scene where they'll put everyone from everything in it We'll have like Godzilla and SpongeBob. Okay, is that a good use of three minutes? I'd say, right? Yeah, she says you'll never get the chance again, and then they get like what two more chances? And then not only do they kill them, but then they kill them again in the next movie. Their past yeah. selves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Uh... She was right. Her mouth was right in checks that she couldn't catch. Okay, since, since we're probably going to cut that whole time we were watching, why don't you go ahead and explain to the viewers what you just saw? So John had spliced up. Uh, and this might be on the YouTube channel if it doesn't get copyright struck. John had spliced up a scene from Avengers Infinity War. Uh, and a scene from Harry Potter. And, you know, it'd be like, oh, they they look through a window. You know, the Avengers characters look through a window and on the other side of the window, like they see the Harry Potter people doing something. And um, it the shots just keep lining up to where it's like they could feasibly be interacting with each other. But the highlight was both scenes had like a train that's passing by and it's like, oh, who's the person that we can kind of see through the cracks of the train on either side? And it's like, it's Dumbledore. And then it's like, oh, it's Captain America. Yeah, that's what my my sister and I always, every time we watch the, we watch the Harry Potter movies and the Avengers movies a lot. And we always joke about that because the Captain America scene is like the best scene in the movie when he shows up and saves the day. And then Dumbledore does the same thing in one of the Harry Potter movies. What about that Harry Potter theme over the Avengers theme? Yeah, I, I noticed that that it, it you would think they would like clash more, but I worked hard on it to make it sound. Yeah, you relatively good. You layered them up some. Oh yeah, nice. Well, that was probably uh, pleasant, something interesting for everyone at home yeah. to listen to. So, you know, yeah. thanks for sharing that extra 10 minutes with us. <laughs> I mean, anyone who enjoys someone else reading a comic book to them probably also likes them narrating a, a video. YouTube video to them. <laughs> Maybe if you guys want to try to check that out. I know we what's our Instagram. We can tag tag some stuff now. It's. Um, 
what uh, are they? First read <laughs> at first read podcast at first read podcast and our YouTube is at ultimate Spider-Man podcast. So you might see that video up if I can get the copyright strike taken down. <laughs> Good luck, John. You're fighting Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that'll be easy, I think. <laughs> um, well, thank you to Ian Hickey for for our music and Alyssa Seaman for our artwork. And you can find us on Instagram at First Read Podcast. And you can find us on YouTube if you want to leave us a nice comment or a mean comment or maybe watch that silly video that I spent like a week of my time editing together. And that is at Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. So swing on by next week, webheads.